As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the latest edition of Until Saturday, Thursday Picks Edition. I'm Ari Wasserman, joined by esteemed colleagues David Ubbin and Scott Docterman. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing great, man. I'm happy to be with you guys. It's been a while. Ready to pick some ball games. Um, ready to see how all of these picks can go awry, as we've seen a lot this year, Ari. Yeah, well, the thing that is interesting and I want to like point it out is last week on the official athletic picks that we made i think i went one and six i had a terrible week last week mm-hmm. but then like in real life actually had a tremendously profitable week so <laughs> I, I just want people to re- to be reminded that we are picking the most obvious biggest games of the week and those are often the hardest to get correct so we're going to yes. do our best uh we are college football reporters um who just are, are here to try to have a good time and, and pick what we think is is right so scott one of the biggest games of the week is Iowa-Wisconsin. I think we can save that to later on in the show before we waterboard you with Iowa discussion. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that you could probably want to talk about something else for the first few minutes, but I do want to get your take on that. And, of course, Dave, if you got anything weird to eat this week, I want to hear about that too. Uh, but first, let me just uh, properly welcome everybody to the latest edition of Until Saturday, Week 7 Picks Edition. Um, be sure to follow us uh, wherever you listen to podcasts on Apple, Spotify, and Drop us a five-star review and leave a question with your review. And if you leave a five-star review with a question, we will do our best to answer it on the show. Subscribe to the Until Saturday YouTube channel. If you're here watching live, we certainly appreciate that. If you're listening to this in podcast form, you can find us live on Thursday, Saturday night after the games and Sunday um, for the Sunday Sound Off show. And the links can be found in the show's description. Um, I guess it doesn't matter where you're listening to it. Uh, podcast, YouTube, whatever, any likes, comments, shares, uh, reviews that you can leave helps the show grow and, and certainly is greatly appreciated. If you want to take part in the Sunday sound off episode on Sundays and you want your beautiful voice on the show like I do, be sure to call the Until Saturday phone line at 316-462-9852. Again, it's 316 462 9852. You can also text that line, but we will certainly err toward using voicemails because your participation in those shows and hearing 
The passion in your voice is what makes that episode so special. And lastly, sign up for the Until Saturday newsletter, uh, aptly named the same, so you can kind of get a general idea of where it's coming from. Uh, For your daily fill of college football news right into your inbox, you do not have to be subscribed to The Athletic to get that newsletter. Uh, Again, all the links will be found in the show's description. And as we get into the picks, guys, just remember that all of the lines that we present here are from and presented by BetMGM. So, okay, thank you so much for letting me get through all that. I'm super excited. We got some big games this week. Um, You know, at the beginning of the season, there was a discussion about whether or not the Pac-12 could get two teams into the playoff um, in the final year, which would have been hilarious considering the Pac-12 is dissolving after this year. Now there's this discussion and fear that the Pac-12 could get zero in if they, quote-unquote, cannibalize each other. We've got a huge game this week. I think you could probably make the case with what we've seen out of USC that this is the biggest game in the Pac-12 of the year. Washington at home against Oregon. Washington is laying three points, and the over-under is set at 67 and a half. Uh, This is going to be a monumental game, uh, the, the type of regular season game that goes a long way in determining who might win the national championship this year, and I cannot wait to watch it. Dave, what's your thought process on this one first? Well... I think I, I was looking into some of the numbers this week, and and they confirm a lot of what I have seen in just watching these two teams. And that's Oregon is a much more complete team. And I know um, Washington is a lot of fun to watch. I have a lot of respect for Washington, but this is a team that doesn't really try to run the ball, doesn't particularly care to run the ball. Um, if you guys listen to Max and Sam this week with Mike Kuchar, you know he talked a little bit about that. Um, and you look at this Oregon team, and 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 when you don't run the ball or have any desire to run the ball, these are the kind of games where it kind of catches up to you. And, and this Oregon team right now is third nationally in defensive yards per play. And you can talk about the schedule all you want, but at the end of the day, that's really impressive. And they're number one nationally in yards per carry. Oh, and they have a Heisman candidate, a quarterback in Bo Nix. Troy Franklin's been killing it uh, at receiver. So... When I look at this game, I see a really fun Washington team that has really looked good, but their opponents have kind of, you know, Boise's not as good as we thought they might be at the start of the season. That that win through no fault of Washington looks a lot less impressive now. Um, so I, I think Oregon wins this game outright, but Ari, we'll get we'll get right into it off the top. My lock of the week is the under in this ball game, under sixty seven and a half. That's my lock of the week. Really? Are you serious? Yes. Uh, Games like these are rarely track meets, and both of these teams have better defenses than people realize. And I checked it, Ari. I believe over 90% of the money is on the over, and that line hasn't moved. Yes, and that line hasn't moved. That's funny. I didn't even see that you did that. We're not usually on, like, there's so many things that you could pick. The fact that we're both on it is kind (laughs) of scary. I don't want people to be on that. I give my I always give my locks in the Slack channel privately to Cam so that nobody can see it. But uh, yes, it's that's my lock of the week. So I like Oregon to win this outright and do it. Yeah, uh, Scott, why don't you go ahead and cook first, and I'll I'll I'll, 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 I'll fill. You know, I've been I've been looking forward to this matchup all season for a lot of reasons. I I really like the way that both offenses play. You know, mainly because they play offense, and I don't get to see much offense um, for the team I cover, but. <laughs> I'm but sorry, I, I, <laughs> you know, they have two transplants at quarterback, Bo Nix, you know, former Auburn. And, and I did watch Michael Penix at Indiana. And, and one of the things I probably watched him on his worst day, 
when he threw four interceptions, and two, including two pick sixes a few years ago. And when you don't have a running game against a, a team, and, and I, I would say Oregon showed me a lot against Colorado. It wasn't that I th- didn't think that they would win, but the intensity with, with which they played and the fact that they've got Bucky Irving, who you know was formerly at Minnesota, I, I think he's a really good running back. So I, I think Oregon's defense is built to stop a lot of the drives from Washington, and and then they're really going to turn them one-dimensional. And this is where Michael Penix is going to have to show that he's better than where he's been in the past in these types of situations against these types of opponents. And I just I think I think the Ducks are a better team now. Being in the games in Washington, I think adds to what will, you know, I'm sure that there'll be some, you know, the Huskies will be fired up for it or whatever, but I think they can be taken out pretty quickly by what'll be a very efficient Oregon offense. So I, I look at this pretty simply, and I think part of the reason why I'm on the under is, is Oregon's defense very underrated nationally? Like if you I've like been look, saying it. I've been saying yeah. it. I mean, I went and looked at the stats before the show, and I don't know if this is the stat that you gave, but they are fifth in the country in total defense in yards per game. Mm-hmm. And if you go look at Washington's defense, they're somewhere in the 60s. And I don't know what you guys think is the most important or revelatory defensive metric and stat. I know that they can get kind of murky yards per play, total yards a game, all those things, you know, different circumstances in games kind of impact them. And as you guys know, stats kind of freak me out sometimes. But I see two very good teams who are probably going to play a very close game. And what does that usually come down to? Which team gets more stops, you know? And I just think that Oregon, like you said, Dave, and I, and I hate to agree with you. It's weird to agree with you so early on in the show, (laughs) but I think Oregon's going to win this game outright and and maybe comfortably, like maybe comfortably, like there is a thing where, and I don't know if it's just in America and the way that we all look at football, but the teams that score the most points, just you, you think that they're exciting. Nobody can stop them. And nobody has been able to stop Washington yet. But if Oregon can stop Washington and it goes bad, sometimes it goes bad really badly too. Like I am more um, confident mm-hmm. in the sum of Oregon's parts than I am in the sum of Washington's parts. And listen, Michael Penix Jr. is an incredible player. They've got a really good receiving core. You know, Bo Nix is a very good player. Like all the things that we know about both of these teams is great. One team is more complete. One team is getting points. I think that's the obvious play here. And I'm with you lock of the week. We'll get to our locks of the week uh, later on in the episode. We, we, we kind of, you know, gave it away a little bit, but I think you and I both are like two or two or three and oh, in our last, you know, month of, of giving away locks of the week. And we're both on the same page organically. I think on such an obscure bet too, like, you know, it's a different fading the public, but also like nobody takes unders for the lock of the week. So the fact that we're both <laughs> there at the same time is kind of maybe go take the over everyone. And before we get to the next game, guys, I want to shout out our friend Daniel Garrett here in the comments. Daniel Garrett gives us a, a Mac lock of the week every week. He's got Ohio minus six and a half. I didn't play yours last week, so I can't remember if it won or not, but I'm going to play this one again. That way, if I win, we can celebrate together. And if I lose, I can ridicule you in public. So thanks so much for continuing to to listen to the show and being a part of it. Um, The more locks, the better. Okay. Next game up, I think is the second most intriguing game of the week. And it also includes a PAC 12 member. We've got USC on the road uh, at Notre Dame. 6-0 and USC, Notre Dame's 4-2 and after a, a really 
rough game last week where their offense looked broken. Um, And Notre Dame is laying two and a half points in this game. In the last 10 battles, USC is three and seven. USC won 38-27 last year, and the Trojans had lost the previous four before last year's win. Is this where the bear comes to get USC? Scott, what do you think? I like USC. I I just, Notre Dame, when we get into these games, you know, you've got USC's defense is is a major problem. We know that. And it's going to keep them from winning a national title and probably a Pac-12 title. But I'm not sure that I could buy into Notre Dame's offense. And when you get into these games that kind of are are strange, you're probably going to get Notre Dame scoring a little bit more often, but they're not going to be able to keep up. With, with what USC can do offensively. And, you know, they might backdoor their way into the game late, but I am I think Caleb Williams is built for this type of game. I think he's going to stretch the field, even though it's in South Bend. You might get him get some rough weather, but I think this is a, a game where Caleb Williams is going to once again put himself in that the top of the conversation for the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, I think, all right, I think this is a, good, a bit of a continuation off of last week. I didn't love what I saw from Notre Dame, and I, and I don't I don't love what I've seen from their offensive line, mostly in the run game, because I I think two things: Notre Dame doesn't have the skill position talent to take advantage of USC in in the secondary where they've really been weakest. No, USC's front is okay; they're not great. They got good bodies up front; they're tackling a little bit better. The secondary is where the issues have we've seen a little bit more uh, from them, and, and Notre Dame just is not going to be able to exploit that. And again, I still think this is a tired Notre Dame team, and I don't know that that's going to change when you get in a, a, a game like they did last week. And for better or worse, I don't think anybody is you know, going to be throwing a parade for that team, but that's that was still a physical ball game, a, a, a pressure ball game. And USC, it feels like their season in a lot of ways has kind of been building to, to this start and this point, and they're probably a little bit fresher. And, and I think... You know, whether we want to call Arizona uh, an exploitation of USC's flaws or a look ahead or whatever, I just, this is a bad matchup for Notre Dame in a bad spot. I think USC wins this one outright, too. And I think we have to acknowledge that Arizona might have one of the best receiver duos in the country. Yeah. Like that's an we, important we hit on that last here. week. Yeah. Tay Tyroa McMillan is a baller. Jacob Cowing, a very well known two I mean, NFL Jacob guys. Cowing, mm-hmm. Jacob Cowing's been doing it. Tay Tyroa McMillan was a little bit, he kind of broke out a little bit last year. Wasn't as much of a well known commodity. Well, he was a freshman last year. Well, sure. But I'm just saying, we didn't see yeah. him, you know, do the same things that we've seen Jacob Cowing do at UTEP and then obviously at, at, at Arizona. And Noah Fafita. I liked what I saw from him. Um, and, I, you know, obviously I think Sam Hartman's better, but they but Notre Dame doesn't have a receiver as good. Any, I would say a pass catcher as good as the two that Arizona had that took advantage of that. So this is it's a bad matchup for Notre Dame. I think the Bear is still coming for USC, but it's it's not this week. They get the win and, and get to 7-0. and, own and come Yeah, back. I'm with you guys on this one. I, this this podcast has stunk so far with all the agreeing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, whenever we all agree, I get real nervous. It's like maybe we'll all be wrong, but there's no confrontation, and that's what that's entertainment <laughs> is confrontation. I think that it's very easy to pile on USC when things aren't going well. Did anybody stop to pay attention that things are actually going worse for Notre Dame? Like, I mean, it's we like did, not, on our most yeah, okay, I'm just going to say, like, it's not going great in South Bend. Yeah. And I understand the game is on the road. But the only thing that would scare me in this game is if Notre Dame uses Audric Estime 
They limit USC's possessions and they roll through USC's defense. The kind of the way that Utah, you know, got to them last year. Still, USC scored a ton of points in, in those games. I really, really, really do not think that Notre Dame has enough offensively, both at the skill position exactly. players mm. and, you know, I mean, listen, they've got a great offensive line. I think they'll be able to run the ball. Joe Alt is one of the best, if not the best uh, offensive lineman in the country. They do not have enough offensively for me to be like, well, here comes the game where USC gives up 58 points. Yeah. Like, I just don't see that. And I don't know if you if Notre Dame can keep up with how much Caleb Williams will will this team to score. Yeah. So, you know, the, no. the over-under here is 60 and a half. Do we really think that Notre Dame scoring 38 in this game? I don't. No. Um, so I am going to take USC. I like, I like Dave just said, the bear is coming. I think the bear is coming more than once. I don't think it's here. I think it's going to happen when, even in a game that they're favored by. Like, and I don't I, think it's just going to. I wonder too, how much of the conversation around USC that, you know, we're not the only people talking about this impacts the line and impacts the perception of USC that like, you know, maybe they, I think this is the wrong team favorite situation here. When I, I saw the line, I thought of, that they were the wrong team. Fa- when I saw yeah. the line, I was like, wait, Notre Dame's favored? Yeah. And I, I wonder how much of the, oh, USC's so bad, USC's so flawed, Lincoln Riley's got to fend off questions every time he steps in front of a microphone about, you know, why Alex Grinch is the worst defensive coordinator in the history of mankind, all that kind of stuff. I think that has some impact on the line because it affects the perception of teams. And Notre Dame has quietly not had a, a good last month. And I don't know how you guys are. I don't know if you bet. I'm talking to the listeners. I know mm-hmm. you guys don't. But this is 100% a game where you will get a better number live. Like, I, I creep around and I wait for the first quarter to happen. Notre Dame might score and go up 7 nothing, or USC's up 14-7. Like, if you wait, you can find both teams at, pl- at plus money. And I think that's what you'd want to do here. I think USC's going to win um, outright. And I think that we're just going to have to see what happens to the USC plane falling apart later on in the year. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So what's the biggest game that's after this next? Okay, let's go to Ohio State at Purdue. That might not be the the biggest game, but I just want to give Scott a breather. Okay, I don't I don't want to go into that that other entertaining <laughs> game. Ohio State minus nineteen and a half on the road at Purdue. Ohio State is five and zero. Oh, Purdue is two and four. The game is on at uh, noon Eastern on Peacock. Over under at forty nine. And I'm just going to say it now. Uh, this is my upset alert of the week. My too, Ari. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is also my trap game of the week here. Uh, I don't think that Ohio State is going to lose. Uh, 
but I've been to West Lafayette on some weird nights before. And three, uh, three and one in their last four games in West Lafayette. The only reason why I made this, because I don't think Purdue's a very good football team this year. <sighs> the only reason why it is my trap of the week is because West Lafayette is like an urban legend in Columbus that Ohio State <laughs> goes to Purdue Rondale and loses Moore is games. Not walking or, through that door, yeah. though. <laughs> well, but it, Rondale Moore wasn't the only instance of it. Like Purdue, yeah. I think mm. Ohio State on the road at, at Purdue, uh, I would be interested. I should have looked this up, but how many times they've either lost or not covered the spread on the road. It would not surprise me if this game was like 14-10 at halftime when Ohio State does their usual sleepwalking and then yeah. you know ends up like running away with it in the second half. But like it is... You know, just one of those places where Ohio State just doesn't see. It's not kosher for them. Scott, you, you're you're shaking your head. I'm dying, man. <laughs> uh, you want you want in disagreement? I'll start right now. And yeah. that is, I saw Purdue last week, and they're they're not good. And I'm, I'm being very, 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 very kind to that. Uh, this is this is my lock of the week for for taking Ohio State. Uh, I think <laughs> they disagreement. I, I think they rip. <laughs> Purdue. And I think it's bad. And I think it's, you know, I, I would probably take higher than that if I needed to. Um, I, I like what, how Ohio, high would you go? Uh, I would go mid twenties at least. Oh. Um, I think Ohio state, what I, what they saw, they showed me in that second half against Maryland is that team is ready to go. It, it finally kind of clicked on them. They've had some, some adversity. Their offense isn't, isn't been as good as what uh, we've seen, you know, from Ohio state over the last several years, but uh, now that Marvin Harrison is back to being Marvin Harrison again, uh, Purdue last week gave up six sacks to Iowa, 11 tackles for loss. They're not going to be able to cover Marvin Harrison. This is going to be three to four touchdown day for him. And I, I think that it, this one could be in the neighborhood of not only hitting uh, Ohio State locking in at minus 19 and a half, but I think this kit hits the over because Ohio State hits 50 plus points. I will say, Ari, I feel like our listeners should have listened to us last week when we were talking about alt lines with Michigan and Minnesota. We called that one. Uh, that's a bold take, Scott. I, I think for me, I just question the Ohio State focus. And I think Ari might be right. I, I If I was betting this, I might go Purdue first half, whatever the first half line is, what, 10, 11, whatever. Like a noon game on the road. I On Peacock. I, the week before you're playing Penn State, I'm like, ah. I don't know. I, I want to see that you're that you're that you're locked in Ohio State. I, it's not about Purdue as much as are we going to get peak Ohio State? Because well, that's the most infuriating thing about betting on Ohio State is that a lot of times they don't cover the spread. It's because of them. Yeah. It's like, are you going to like yeah. play faster? Or are you going to wake up here soon? Or you know whatever? And then they 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 always have it in them. Like Ohio State could beat Purdue sixty three to nothing if they really yes. really played well. They, yeah. If they came out of this game and convinced themselves that Purdue was Georgia, then they would play uh, that type of game. I think that they would annihilate them. The question is whether or not Ohio State is going to be a little bit more conservative, a little bit more sleepwalky on the road in a non-nationally televised game the week before playing Penn State. And basically what I've seen from Ohio State most of the year doesn't really give me much hope that they are going to just like play balls to the wall for four quarters. It's just, you know, that's not. But listen. Ohio State is the greatest program in the face of the world, you know, on the face <laughs> of the earth. They will win the national title this year. They are perfect. I love them. I bleed scarlet and gray. Go Bucks. Okay, there, you, there you go. Are, you know, do, you have, do you have your well, do you have your Friar Ryan Day column pre-written if they don't no, win by more than I'm, I'm not quite I'm not quite there yet. Some some 
crazy fans are there. I, I wouldn't be there yet. But I, I do think, <laughs> all kidding aside, that uh, this is a very important year for Ryan Day and Ohio State. And, you know, if things are trending in the right direction, you know, it, the funniest thing to me is that here's the, the best take from the caller from last week that they can listen to is, I don't see another team out there that can that is a 100% victory over Ohio State when Ohio State is playing its best. And this is a very, very eh, team in comparison to like the 19 team and the 15 team and some of the teams that I covered. Um, but if they are are playing 100% to their potential, I don't even know if Georgia is a slam dunk win against that. So that is always the thing that keeps an Ohio State fan's hopes alive of, mm-hmm. you know, if you figure this out and you and you get things rolling the right way, they are every bit, especially in this field where we don't know who's the best team in the country equipped to win a national championship this year. And that's the standard of the program. And I'm excited to see how it goes. But, you know, being negative about a a week six or seven opponent at Purdue, just like, okay, well, if they win 28 to 10 or something, then that's, you know, just another another game. Well, I think Michigan they've been is a lot tested. Than Ohio State, Ari, so it's yeah. okay. Yeah, <laughs> I think they. I think they've been tested. You know, and we obviously saw it in South Bend a couple weeks ago. But I think last week Maryland was the uh, the the team that really brought out a lot of Ohio State. I mean, that first half was very much in doubt, um, and I wondered if that was where they got their sleepwalk moment. But the second half, when they needed it they beat a, a pretty good Maryland team. And I, and I really like the way that they're trending in this. And, and to top that off, Purdue might be, well, they're not the worst team in the West, but they're close to it. They're just, I don't see them putting up much of a challenge, especially against Ohio state's defense. Isn't that how you could always say about every team in the West? They might not be the worst team in the West, but they're close to it because they're all the same. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I was going to say that I thought they were the worst, but then they beat Illinois 44 to 19. So I'm like, yeah, they're not the worst. Illinois. It's just, it is, we're close to Halloween. The game is in West Lafayette. I think you need to pay homage to the weirdness that's happened there. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I think that that transcends what you think about Ohio state or Purdue. It just is what it is. This is a, Pretty big week, guys, for the Pac-12. Moving on to the next game. Yeah. Uh, Oregon State plays UCLA. Oregon State five and one, laying three and a half uh, against UCLA four and one. Um, it's an eight p.m. kickoff Eastern time. Uh, this could be a pretty important moment because, like, I feel like of all the discussions that we've had um, about the Pac-12, it's been more Oregon, Washington, USC centric. But you know, Washington State sitting there, Oregon State sitting there, UCLA is sitting there. And when everybody talks about the cannibalization of the Pac-12, I think the cannibalization happens with these teams here, not with yeah. with with Oregon and Washington and USC good playing to, each other. Good enough to beat the big guys for sure. So if if UCLA and or Oregon State, no matter who wins this game, they're going to be sitting at five and one or six and one. They're going to probably move into the top twelve. Mm-hmm. You have a very dangerous Pac-12 team, and I think that this is a very revelatory game for the Pac-12 and frankly, one that um, is kind of hard to to handicap. UCLA could be setting itself up to be one of the two or best three teams in the Big Ten next year. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a crazy thing to think. And then maybe we should ask Scott um, about Pac-12 styles and like what you think of UCLA playing against a team like Iowa later on in this question. But first, what do we think of, of this game? I think this is the underrated, low-key, maybe best game of the week. This one might come down to the very end and, and you know, throw out the numbers on this. But, I mean, I really want to see Dante Moore. I think he could be a tremendous player, not only this year, but I think in the 
you know, he could be that Heisman Trophy candidate, especially being an out in L.A. And he's a Michigan kid, so he's going to come back to the Big Ten next year. Uh, but, you know, UCLA, the only loss came to, to at Utah. It was by a touchdown. And uh, so I think they're they're trending in the right direction. And then Oregon State, I think the way they beat Utah on that Friday night, but what a week and a half ago, was was awesome. I think they are uh, a tremendous. They're in really great shape, and I like Damian Martinez. So I, I guess I probably would would go. With, I'll probably take UCLA and the points on this, but this is not one that I would be locking for any stretch because I think this one could come down to the end one way or the other. Yeah, I, I think uh, for me, first of all, DeAnton Lynn, UCLA's defensive coordinator, Broyles Award hype at this point. What he's done with UCLA's defense is, is really impressive to me. Uh, but for me, this comes out of can Oregon State's offensive front control the game. And if you can do that, I think you can win. And I, I think it's going to be tough for uh, Dante Moore to have the kind of game in a road atmosphere going to be pretty hyped uh from the beavers the turnover chainsaw one of my favorite things in college sports maybe a top three turnover prop uh with apologies to the unlv slot machine um but i'd love to I, hear I like, your power rankings of the turnover props i have them we can do it right now if we want to <laughs> i mean just make it quick but do it now what are the top five turnover props well all right because you always say the- bring back the turnover chain after every episode and it's like i don't yeah. even think that's the coolest one it is, first of all. It's the OG. It is the coolest one. That's the number one, okay? Then I have the turnover slot machine. Well, the turnover chainsaw is number two. More power tools and more fire are my two biggest college football takes. That we need more of those things involved in the sport. As much fire as possible, as much power tools as possible. The turnover slot machine at UNLV, which I have written about, is fantastic. That is my second A real favorite. slot machine. It is a real slot machine. It is. It's like they can't. Like, it can't be used on the road because of legal reasons. Like, the actual gambling company. Like, you should read my story about it. It was, it was intense. It was very expensive. Uh, and then, turnover plank, RIP, at Kennesaw State is probably my number four, I think. And then my number five is uh, the, what was it? The It's like uh, the Scepter. A couple teams use a Scepter. Big fan of Scepters in general. Not a power tool. Not fire involved, but we could have fire involved. So that's my brief power ranking. But I like Oregon State uh, to to get this done and win. So give me Oregon State. I will lay the points. Yeah, I'm going to do that too. Let me tell you this. The best prop that I've seen is the $50,000 watch that Shador Sanders keeps flashing to the crowd. Is that his? (laughs) $70,000 watch, Arian. It is. Oh, sorry. The aftermarket diamonds on it. That He had that watch at... At Jackson State also. Shout out to NIL and also shout out to your dad being a Hall of Famer. I don't know about the finances of that whole situation or where the money goes within the family in terms of all the reality shows that they've done in the past that Shador has been on. People really hate the watch thing, but uh, it is a... Well, I'm a a watch enthusiast, and people got mad at me for pointing out the type of watch that CJ Stroud was wearing at the Heisman (laughs) ceremony last year. Uh, And it's worth more than most of your guys' cars. And I'm just wondering... I don't know. I'm just not big on the diamonds and flash. I like nice timepieces that are just solid looking. So that one is like perfect for the crowd because it's the, you know, the cameras and all that stuff. But honestly, if I had the money like that and my dad um, or my NIL was paying for a $50,000, $70,000 watch, is it a Patek or is it an Audemars? 
I'm not a watch guy. Uh, oh, Marcus God, Thompson. Dave. Marcus Thompson found out what exactly it was when we were in Boulder, and it is it's not a Rolex. People talk about it like a Rolex, just as the cultural, you know, milieu or whatever. But it's it's something it's something else. I forget what it is. I'm not. I, a watch yeah, guy. it's an Audemars. Okay, I I looked it up. Yeah. I mean, that, we want to talk about involving props with fire. That's a prop with fire. So uh, he's he, he's the win. Okay, Scott, I'm not going to be able to shield you any longer because I'm looking at the rest of these games. We got to do it. We got we one gotta. more that that might that might be a better game. Are, are, are you disrespecting the Mountain West right now? I don't care about small you, teams. As uh, my SM as my SMU story that I wrote today bombs. Ari, we're going to get you there. Ari, we're going to get you there. We're going to get you to care about this. All I hear about is that I'm the biggest Ohio State homer on the face of the earth, and then I got to spend 30 minutes defending why I'm harsh on Ohio State on the on the podcast this week. And the other thing I hear <laughs> is I don't care about small teams, but every single time I write about them, nobody reads it. Which one? Do, like, who do you want? What do you want? Ari, you should care about the small teams. I do care about the small teams. I don't care about them quite as much as I do about Iowa, but I care about them. Okay, why don't we do a small team? We want to do the small team. Which game? Air Force. Air Force uh, and Wyoming. Air Force five and zero minus ten and a half versus Wyoming. Uh, That's not ranked, and I feel like Wyoming not being ranked is like a major point of contention for you, Dave. It's up there. Uh, Wyoming has played some people. I don't know if you've watched. They've played future Big 12 champion Texas Tech, beat them. Uh, they played Texas, tied in the fourth quarter uh, in that ball game, and then beat a ranked Fresno team that a lot of people were talking about as the favorite for the G5 New Year's Six bid. Uh, and now here comes Air Force. And Air Force has been beating the living daylights out of everyone that they've played. Uh, they do still obviously run the triple, but it, they do have some some passing concepts in there. Um, it seems like they throw for 30 yards every time they do throw it. They're very effective at doing that. But if you look a little closer at Air Force and who they have played, they have yet to play anyone with something even remotely close to a pulse. So when you're playing murder ball against a dead body, I don't particularly <laughs> care all that much. Uh, meanwhile, that, I think Utah State at 3-3, three and three, I think it's the best team that they have played. Meanwhile, you have a battle-tested Wyoming team getting 10 and a half uh that even on the road i like that uh i think they can slow it down their defensive front is tough i don't know that they get home here i think both of these teams are probably worthy of being top 25 teams but pollsters are a lot like ari and disrespect the mountain west so i'm sorry but wyoming covers uh they might win it outright but this is in it this is air force is going to be playing an actual team for the if the season ended today air force would make the playoff next year uh, right. Yeah, I think they're the highest. I think the- I think they're the highest. They're the highest uh, G five. Yeah. yeah. So I hope that you enjoy this game, Dave. <laughs> I really, really, really do because next year the Oregon Washington game will mean less because you want Air Force to mean more. Scott, what's going on with your uh, thought process on this? Uh, I, I'm there. With Dave, when it comes to, to Wyoming, um, playing decent teams, I mean, App State, anytime you can play App State and Fresno State and win those games, uh, it sh- does show some tenacity uh, for this team. They, they went to Texas and lost, but Texas is back, right? That's what I keep hearing. So, um, you know, although last week kind of. Uh, hey, you watch I your mean, mouth. 
<laughs> had to bring it up, man. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I was next. I know. I'm I'm ready for it. Um, <laughs> now the uh, but I, I like Wyoming to cover here. I I don't know. I think it's going to come down to the end. So I don't like the ten and a half because I, I agree the Air Force just really hasn't played anybody of, of value. But you know this is the first time Wyoming's hit the road since going to Texas. But it's not that far, and it's not like they're going to uh, you know some some crazy place to win. So I, I'm going to go with the give me the Cowboys and the ten and a half. You know what I have a hard time with with option teams? I kind of feel like them? you can you can you can actually uh, tell like in the first quarter whether you're going to yes. get there or not. Yes. Like how you know what you're you, doing. How not. can you possibly? How can I possibly predict here on Thursday, October twelfth, whether Wyoming's going to get it or not? Like, is Wyoming going to be able to figure out how to cover the triple option? Like, well, and then they like, play a lot more triple teams, and you, when there's one in your conference, you're used to it, and when you have an experienced front. That matters quite a bit. Um, when you then give me the ten and a half. Wyoming is battle tested. Wyoming is a team that was either winning or tied with Texas on the road in the beginning of the fourth quarter. They beat a very good Texas Texas Tech team, and you're giving me ten and a half points. Give me the points, bud. There you go. Absolutely. Give me the points. Sorry, I'm proud of you. We talked about Mountain West. Yes. I'm going to get you there. I'm going to get you. Actually, I mean, there's there's two really good games. This is a really good weekend, mm-hmm. by yeah, the way. it is. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so Scott, let's just get this over with. Uh, Wisconsin four and one, laying ten on the road. Wait, no, they're home against they're home. Iowa five and one. Um, Scott, before we get there, are you okay uh, on, on the pick? Are you okay? Blink twice if you need help. Um, I'll tell you what. I'll just dig out my uh, tough ask tough questions folder here. And, uh, <laughs> I actually read your column a few weeks ago, or maybe a month ago now, about how. It was a really, I thought it was one of the better columns we've had on our website for the past yeah. year about how Iowa's point total has turned them into the butt of jokes and like kind mm-hmm. of made it again. I mean, we're playing the game on our podcast. I know Andy does it on his, mm-hmm. like everybody's like yeah. the drive to three twenty five. It has become a running joke. I appreciate it, but I'm also and not an Iowa fan. So yeah, I appreciate <laughs> it. But also too, it's like, you should have seen this coming a little bit. Yeah. What is your honest assessment, you know, because we haven't had you on the show to talk about this in a while. Mm-hmm. Your honest assessment of the way that Iowa has played this year and the entire drive to 325 st- stigma joke, however you want to put it. Mm. Uh, there, there are a couple of different avenues to take when it comes to Iowa itself. Number one is I think you do look at them and 
if you want to say something positive, it's the fact that they are as resilient as any team in the country. They are 10 and two over their last 12 games and they've had the worst offense in the big 10 literally and, and numerically since Kirk Ferentz ju- has jumped in there. And this year is e- and even worse. And now losing Cade McNamara and Luke Lachey, and yet they're still able to win these games in the fashion that they do. You've got to look at them and say, wow, what is, what's up with this program and why is it able to continue to win and what makes it so resilient? And, and there's a lot of pl- uh, pluses there. However, football's entertainment and the entertainment part of it is scoring points and, you know, getting nice long passes, which I don't see on a regular basis and all these other aspects to the game. And when you look at this, at this problem now over the last two plus years, and when what's crazy is that they're 23 and 10 since the start of the 21 season, but yet they're among, if not the worst team in the country offensively, they have nowhere else to turn, but themselves. They put themselves in this position. They had some issues when it came to recruiting where they had some injuries on the offensive line that they didn't expect, obviously. But, um, you know, this year they went in the portal. They got two wide receivers. They got a really good tight end in Eric Hall. They got a quarterback. They got offensive linemen. And they're still doing this. Then you've got to say, well, what's left? What's the common element? It's because the scheme. And they haven't revamped the scheme, you know, in 25 years. And this game in particular against Wisconsin – will show kind of the trajectory of both programs. Wisconsin and Iowa have been kissing cousins forever. And yet Wisconsin was willing to say, you know what, what we were doing is not going to win us a championship. So we're going to go to something else. And they're going to take their medicine this year, but they're running with 11 personnel on 90% of their plays, that and 10 personnel. Iowa's still doing the same thing. And it may work this time, but when you look in the future, next year and beyond, they will just continue to fall far, farther and farther behind the teams that they probably should be beating. Do you think, uh, Scott, like how does Kirk Ferentz view a national title as something that could be achieved? Cause it's like, you can be realistic, but at the end of the day, all 133 teams are striving to get there. And yet when you look at Iowa and you're like, are you guys doing that? Cause it doesn't seem like it. Is that something that he, cares about or thinks about in like and how do you how do you square that with like all of the decisions that they make regarding the offense they're not is that does that kind of conversation doesn't take place here it's about winning basically their neighborhood they do talk about winning the big 10 they do talk about winning the big 10 west of course those are important to them the national title is not something that's really in their sight because that's something that they'll never experience they might have experienced something like that in the old BCS one game if they can get up to number two and then you know one versus two type of game. They're not going to be able to win that war of attrition. They don't have the athletes to do it against an Alabama, against Ohio State week after week. So that that conversation doesn't really matter. I think what has mattered traditionally is winning the West, and they've had better players, better teams. It's just what we're remembering or noticing is the last couple of years when they had. Hawkinson and Fant and Nate Stanley. I mean, hell, you know, they, they shockingly put 49 on USC. They put 55 up on Ohio State. But the problem is that they never continue to develop. They never adapt or evolve the offense to the point where you're getting players involved. Last week, they had no completions to wide receivers. 
None. They haven't had any, that hadn't happened in Iowa even for the last 45 years. I'm sure that plays and, well on the recruiting trail too. It's, it's, I don't know how that they do it. I don't know how they're going to do it. And it, and this fan base is so twisted and, and aggravated that they, it's hard to even mention anything positive because they want, they want Brian fired and, and probably beyond fired. But um, it, it's at this point that I think they would love to have actual video of him Packing up his office. So <laughs> I was going to say, gotta, what was beyond gotta, fired? Uh, here's gotta, a, can I say real uh, quick? Sorry, though, Ari, I got okay. on, on the national championship thing. I think in the NIL era, especially, that's kind of insane to me. And I think, and producer Cam, get the clip ready. I think you got to believe at some point. You don't have to expect to win titles, but you got to believe in something bigger in your. Well, here's the thing that, that I wanted to say. Is and it's and I'm echoing you here, Dave. <laughs> when you were talking about that, Scott, I mean, I understand it makes sense regionally. You want to be better than your neighbors uh, in the Big Ten West. You want to be the class of of the, those types of teams. It's the meat and potatoes. You know, you want to do everything that you can to just win football games. But it just like sounded like loser talk to me. Mm-hmm. Like yes. you have to like do everything that you can in your power to be the best version of yourself in order yes. to compete. And now that this division is going to the wayside, they're going to have to start playing Ohio state more regularly than Penn state and Michigan and Wisconsin, the better version of Wisconsin when, the, when it gets rolling, like I don't think going 10 and two is, is enough. And yeah. I don't know if it, it'll be harder to do in the future. And it's just like, why are you not taking steps as a program to address the issue, which is they're playing like, their opponent is running the wishbone and I I just don't understand why like, like can Kirk Ferentz just like not adapt even the slightest to have an offense that can score 25 points a game, literally like, why can't they just do something? It's like (laughs) inactivity is like the biggest form of complacency and acceptance. And I personally don't think that Iowa should have to Stanford. They're a very good program that has proven over the course of the last 20 years or so that they can win. Mm -hmm. I know a large portion of that is because of Kirk Ferentz and what he's been able to do. But at a certain point, you got to adapt a little bit. Well, the frustration is, is palpable here. It's, you know, it's the, you know, there, there are fire and, and pitchforks and everything here because of the offense. And the one thing that I've, I, I try not to be too hyperbolic on this stuff, but I, I tell you what, what I would do if I was Iowa is Cooper DeGene is the best athlete they've had in years, if not in, in Kirk Ferentz's era. And he was a dual threat quarterback in high school. They turned him into a cornerback. Who's going to be a first round draft pick. Why not let make him, rip him a, it, yeah. just, just put him in the effing game and let him take some snaps as a wildcat quarterback and then let him throw once in a while. That's better than what they have now. It's basically like, just don't even have a strategy. Just let him do that. But the thing now, too now, about now, the- but, but, you know, kind of going to your point about big picture, and maybe I undersold this a little bit with Iowa is that they look at the big 10 is the ultimate for them because they feel like if they can win the big 10, then they can compete on the national stage. And when you're going head to head with Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state in that type of an environment, and if they can win that game, then they feel like they can go and throw down with anybody. It's just a matter of getting there and getting there is beating the teams in your region. And as we know, recruiting wise, they're about a top 30 team. There, there's just not enough local talent or regional talent. So, you know, well, and they, well, I mean, Iowa well is, there, but get Iowa the money. is built to beat teams like it. It yes. is not built to beat good teams that aren't like it. And when you talk about the BCS era and like getting to number two, 
and maybe getting a one-game scenario where a national championship can happen, how many times would have Iowa would have made the playoff if it were 12 teams since 14? Like three times, right? Mm-hmm. Or four times? Yeah. Like they are going to be on the national scale moving forward because this style of football gets them to 10 wins regularly. And when they get there and they play whoever they're playing in the first round, you might want to be equipped to compete against good teams. And I'm not saying that beating Nebraska and Wisconsin and Minnesota and all those teams aren't important. And I know that they've won a ton of games. Look, they're five and one and their mm-hmm. offense is a joke. They're five and one. If they even had a, a an offense with a pulse, what would this team be the last two years? They don't even have a pulse. Ari, and it's just like I've asked strive for the pulse. <laughs> I've asked myself that question. I'm the one who has to watch them in person. I, I feel bad. And for I, you. And I watch I them do too. I feel I bad for you. You should be getting hazard pay for this. Scott, yeah, you want to hear though? I bet the over last week. <laughs> and Purdue and Iowa. Yeah, I lost. Ari texted me that, and I said, "Godspeed, sir." And I was thirty-six and a half. Myself. Like I thought that that Iowa would score twenty. I, I don't know. I, I, they came close. They missed a couple field goals. Yeah, no, I, like, <laughs> I, I, I just like I feel like, and I don't know if this is hyperbolic. Save me as a podcast host. I know this is a weakness of mine. What Kirk Ferentz is doing is like abuse of the fan base. Like it is like awful. And the fact that like they can't do anything about it. And, and let me, yeah. this is the last question I wanted to ask you. Mm-hmm. Is there a scenario in your mind? Cause this is my prediction. It's been since the beginning of the year where Iowa fails to reach 325, and Brian Ferentz is the offensive coordinator of this team next year. There would have been if, Caden McNamara hadn't gotten hurt, I think. Um, and that is, if they would have looked the part, if they would have averaged 24 points a game and gone to Indianapolis and competed, and, you know, are you really going to fire the guy that way? I don't see, I, you know, it's hard to predict because it is kind of more of a kingdom and a feat, you know, than it is uh, the democracy at the University of Iowa, at least in football. And I, I would say that I don't think Brian sticks around for another year. I really don't. But I and part of that is because they have an, a different athletic director. Uh, you know, she's an interim at this point. But I, when you say a, he sticks around, you mean on his own accord, or he's, yeah. he's dismissed? Well, I, I don't. The, the The drive for three twenty five really is it gives them options. It doesn't, and, and they could resign him to a different contract. It just 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 means that the contract that he's had isn't beholden to to them. So, I I think largely I think it's too toxic of a situation. I mean, when you have the the entire stands chanting "fire, Brian," yeah. it, and it, and people here are not are not happy. This is not a oh well, shucks. Oh, we hope Iowa wins. No, they are up in arms and and, uh, and on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. I get. It. I would so, just it, not want to be a part of it if I were him. It literally like, is imagine, like George like, Costanza at Just Play Sports. Crawling through the ducks to get to his locked office after they found out he was faking being handicapped. Uh, and like, I wouldn't want to be somewhere where everybody hated me, but that's yeah. maybe that's just me. Maybe he, maybe that's his thing. I, I mean, but maybe he's just driven by the notion of like, he'll get the last laugh, you know, but I, I don't yeah. know. We've got a lot of laughs too- though. To yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot of yeah. laughs and there's been a lot of pain here, but, but I, I actually think that that like Iowa could make the big 10 championship game averaging 22 points a game. This I want to see it personally. I want to like see that it. like is on the table. Oh, by the yeah. way, do you want to pick the game? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, can I go push that? Would that be the way? Um, 
I, I I'll tell you what I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take. Um, I I actually had this game at sixteen six Wisconsin, so I'm gonna go the under on that, and and I'm gonna push on the minus ten because I just think to six. I think it, it'll be a, a great. There'll be five terrific field goals and probably <laughs> one touchdown, maybe in the I third think- quarter. I this was my sickos game of the week. I can't believe you guys didn't pick it. Wisconsin's been a little more watchable. But it's like actually the I, game that's going to determine maybe who wins the Big Ten West. That can yeah, be the sickos will. game. Well, it is the sickos game, Ari, because this is perverted football. And I think even though Washington, <laughs> even though Wisconsin is more watchable against Iowa's defense, Wisconsin is not going to be very watchable. Tanner Mordecai, I'm sorry. Just you know, get through football. it, buddy. Just get through it, buddy. You'll be there. You'll you'll be okay. Because you know the sickos guy is like looking through uh, yes. the window, going, "Oh yes, oh yes, yes." Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> so give me, I'll take, sec- give me Iowa in the points. I think this is give me Iowa in the points uh, with with no touchdowns in this ball game, six to three. Oh man, I don't know. I'm sorry, but, Scott. Yeah, uh, you sit through that in the rain in what Madison. Is it raining this weekend? Yeah, at least up there. Oh, Hopefully not right. Sunday because they got basketball. That's, talk about perverted football. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm, I'll take the points. I'll, I'll take the 10, and hopefully they just lose 9-6. to six. Yeah. Um, but that is point. that is just the – that is a – let me tell you, it's a, just a damn shame. It really is. And it's a public – it's a public – how this could happen, it's like I, – I don't even have the words for it. It's just like people are being held hostage here. Yeah, yeah. They it's sold embarrassing. out every game. They, well, yeah, because yeah, that's the th- the problem with college well, football is that the fans are too loyal and people care too much. Where messing the product up happens with impunity. The, that's the, the problem. The, the Nobody will ever why, stop watching. The reason why is because they hit the portal pretty hard. I mean, they did. You know, they went and got a quarterback first day they could. They got two wide receivers, one from Ohio State. They got a really good tight end. They got a couple. Uh, offensive linemen that looked like they were addressing all those issues, except for you know scheme and, and style and, scheme, and play calling, style and, and general viewpoint of the sport and who they yeah. are and why they exist in it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, Scott, I love you, buddy. It's a good thing you're the best Big Ten writer in the country because, like, at least if this doesn't work out for you, uh, or you can handle it emotionally <laughs> every game without a therapist, you can just cover the Big Ten for us, and that'd be great. So, yeah, I watched uh, three years of Jeremy Pruitt ball, and it it almost broke me, Scott. So, uh, my favorite thing about being a beat writer was writing about roster assembly and all the things that were built in of like strategy and recruiting strategy and offensive philosophy and all these things. And then finally getting to the season where they play these big games where it's like, okay, here's everything I've been writing about for the past year. How is it going to come out and how is it going to be, how's it going to manifest? And it's Mm -hmm. like with you, it's just like, they're not going to score no matter what (laughs) happens. They're just not going to score. And on the first, on the first freaking pass of the season, they threw a 36 yard touchdown pass. And I was like, happy learn to putt. Finally. And then oh, happy last week. Is it worse than last year? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. worse than last year. That's unbelievable uh, to me. That's right. well, the yeah, thing. It's like, it's, even with the drive to 325, like the statistics, like they're right on the number. They are literally worse than last year. And it's because, <laughs> and, and the reason why is with Cade McNamara. I mean, you know, Deacon Hill, who is a former Badger that they got in the, in the portal, he's starting he was 6 of 21 last week. <sighs> That's why I'm going with the Badgers against the- Did either of you guys watch? Do you watch the NFL, Scott? Yeah, all the time. Did you watch the Steelers-Ravens game last week? 
I, I preferred the, I went with the lions, but I did flip back and forth. Cause like to me, yeah. it has to be said, Matt the Canada. Steelers this year are the exact clone of Iowa. They have the same uniforms. Yeah, <laughs> we got we got to get Scott on red zone. We got to get Scott. On yeah, red zone. yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, let's move on to actually uh, another Matt game. Canada and Brian Ferentz are uh, most belonging. <laughs> we've got two two more game. games that we've got to get through, guys. Okay. Um, and then maybe we'll add a third just to taunt David. But um, maybe would have been the biggest game of the week had Miami just run simple kneel down last week. North Carolina five and zero, uh, playing Miami four and one. I believe it's in Chapel Hill. UNC minus three and a half. Um. This should be a game between two undefeated teams. Miami's players, um, unfortunately for them, did everything that they could to win a football game last week, and their coaches robbed them of that opportunity. So mm-hmm. it's four and one. But, you know, the ACC is kind of a interesting race here. You got Florida State, who's kind of leading the pack here a little bit, but North Carolina on the road, or five and zero on the way to potentially being six and zero, another quality win here. Is Drake May elevating this program? And do you like the Tar Heels this week, Dave? This is tough because we don't know how Miami responds. I, 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 I'm very curious uh, after a game like that and, and an event like that that sort of transcends the sport. You're sort of living in it. You're very disappointed, obviously, in your coaches. Um, and, and there's no amount of accountability that they can take when it's obvious what happened there. And you're sort of uh, so the response is really going to be interesting to me. But I will say when you talk about Vegas. And you have one team look as good as North Carolina looked last week and as bad as Miami looked last week. I think the public sort of overreacts to that. Uh, and and generally, you know, Vegas lines can reflect that. I want to look at the whole picture. And when I look at the whole picture, I think Miami can win this ball game. Uh, if the spread's too big, I think Miami wins this outright, though. Give me the Tar Heels on this one. And the reason why is... Uh, I want to see what the mentality is in Miami. And it's been, I would say, fairly transient with with all the, the portal guys that they've gotten the last few years. And when you see what your coaching staff did, the malpractice it performed at the end of the game, can uh, Mario Cristobal walk into that locker room each and every day and say, I've got your back. We're all in this together. Can we do all those things? I don't know. I really don't. And I I like, uh, you know, North Carolina played so well last week and I could totally see the number here at minus three and a half being a gotcha number. I don't like the hook very much, but I like the Tar Heels. I like Drake Bay and I'm just not sure that Miami mentally can get back in and, and face that adversity uh, knowing just what happened last, last week. If North Carolina wins this game this weekend, do you start taking North Carolina seriously as a playoff contender? Well, more than anything else, Ari, this is a North Carolina team, 115th last year in yards per play allowed. Yeah, 37th. they're 37th much better. This yeah. year. They're a lot better. And that you that peep matters. their schedule, Dave. Yeah, it's it's they're, they beat they're Miami. Th- they beat Miami this week. They improved to five and zero. Oh, sorry, six and zero. Oh. Then they have Virginia, Georgia Tech and Campbell. Uh, yep. So that gets them to nine and zero, probably. They're going to be playing for national tie for for playoff spots in in November and yes, possibly December, which is crazy. In the fourteen field, you never thought that that could happen, but it can. And <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be a really interesting end of the season. I think the Tar Heels are going to win this game by more than three and a half. I think that I would be emotionally broken if I were on on Miami's team. 
Because you could even say, like, we had Manny Diaz on Stars Matter on Wednesday. And he said, well, this team could, you know, rally and get to the ACC championship game. And then it would just be like, without that loss, they'd be undefeated. I just like, there's no way of like computing to me in my head to make that okay. What happened last week? The coach let their team down and I would not be able to. I always call Manny Navarro Manny Diaz. Yeah, you all said the that. Time. Uh, you said all that. I was, like, the time. Manny, I was like, Manny Diaz is on Stars Matter this week. I was like, No, no, no. Get? Manny Navarro, uh, <laughs> I call him Manny Diaz, and it will never stop. Ever. And I don't know I if it's because my wires like, got like crossed when he, crook, when, he, when, he, <laughs> when he covered Manny Diaz. But I call him Manny Diaz all the time, and he's been a good sport about it. I don't know. Does your brain ever work that way where just like two things become one in your head and you can't separate it? Because that happens to me. All the time. So Manny Navarro, I'm sorry. Um, but I just don't I don't know how Miami can just like be mentally okay. No. After that. Like it's out. just like I wouldn't even tr- yeah, it's like your coach betrayed you. Um yeah. so we'll see. And if he if he gets them to to cover the game, then um you know, maybe then we'll talk about Mario doing a good job of coaching to get it back on track. But I just for the life of me can't fathom the end of the games in general, how not just in Miami, but like the Bama game at the end of last week, like there's a lot of end of game grab ass happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the game that you and I were watching together, Dave on Tuesday night uh, was coastal Carolina and Tim Beck, not kicking a field oh goal gosh. in a tie game with four. I mean, like it's just like the calculus of coaches at the end of games is just, it's been putrid and I don't know what the, what the problem is. Okay. Last but not least, Let's go to Tennessee minus three and a half against Texas A&M. Tennessee is at home. The over under um, is 54 and a half. It's a 330 Eastern kick on CBS. And I want to start this off by saying that I don't think Tennessee has lost a game at home since 2021. And like A&M is completely awful on the road in the SEC. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what that, what that does for the calculus of this game. Scott, why don't you go first? Yeah, I'm I'm not overly well versed on this uh, part of the world on this one, and I and I'm always curious with Joe Milton to see what kind of player he ends up being, um, you know, after his uh, debut in 2020 in Michigan. But I I guess I would probably say that I like the way Tennessee has responded since that Florida debacle. Uh, I thought they pl- beat a, a pretty decent UTSA team and and played pretty well against uh, South Carolina. I know. A&M is, uh, you know, has, has gotten better after last year's offensive challenges with Bobby now with Bobby Petrino there. But, you know, that that was a tough loss for them. And it was at home against Alabama. They felt like they were in it. They had a chance to win it. And, and now they've got to go on the road and, and play at a, a really tough environment. And I, I guess I, I like give me the balls on this one. I think this is going to be a, a really a tough team for, or a tough game for, for A&M, even though I think they're much improved overall. Hey, do you guys believe in ghosts? No. I have a nanny cam in my house. And the nanny cam is like to my phone. Is your nanny cam to your phone or do you just have like the physical it thing? It can be, but I don't use it. We have the physical, like the camera thing. So as part of a mechanism of this nanny cam, it I get an alert for when the baby's sleeping at night if there's motion in the room so that you could tell if the baby's awake or crying or something and i always get like one time like around 1 p.m like every day it's always early afternoon motion detected in baby's room Mm -hmm. 
And I don't know what the hell's going on in there because then I click it and there's <laughs> nobody in there. Some weird, weird shit going on upstairs at the Wasserman household. I'll tell you. I don't know what it is. I got, so I got the nanny cam open. But we're watching. Uh, we're watching uh, over here. I don't know what's going on. But I saw yeah. uh, Bigfoot is, is returned. I saw he's in Colorado. He is. They found I have him? a lot of. Yeah. I have a lot of questions. But can we talk about the Bigfoot clip briefly? Yeah. Now, supposedly this is from a train. I will give them the benefit of the doubt. And I guess logistically getting off of that train would have been quite difficult. However, (laughs) if you could get actual video of whatever you believe to be Bigfoot, and this is not a hoax, the amount of money that you could sell that for and the amount of just like payoff for getting closer to whatever that thing was, whether it's a guy in a hairy suit or whether that is uh, the lost Harry from Harry and the Hendersons, whatever we're looking at, I feel like you got to get off that train. And maybe there's some logistical issues of getting to wherever you're going, but you got to get off the train. Do you not? I don't know that I want to jump. That could be a dangerous area, but I'd think about what it. What the hell is that thing? I haven't seen this picture. That's terrifying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bigfoot. Yeah, he's... Uh, he's Southwest he's Colorado might have the work of a local prankster. Dude, that's yeah. terrifying. Yeah, it's just, uh, um, you know what I don't understand about Bigfoot? We've discovered every other species species there is. Think about well, the, 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 no, all right, there's a lot of stuff no. at the bottom of the ocean that they, no, they no, no, I'm saying like, if you think about like the, like the, the, the number ocean. of insects that we know and the number of animals that we've just come across, like we know of dinosaurs from prehistoric times, this is, this creature is just is more elusive than science like like how how is it like this is the only thing that we haven't discovered well the best case against bigfoot is the concept of procreation right there can't just be one thing right and if it's like a small you know species of things that is very selectively procreative there will still be at least multiple but like why are they in different cities in different states and stuff then all yeah, the time? Yeah, in the- that's the best case against Bigfoot is the fact that there can't just be one thing. But don't you right? think that over the course of time and you think about how much money and hours and people have been gone into the forest and into the woods and all different places to like do research and discover organisms that like it, we wouldn't have found it? We found everything. Well, surely somebody uh, in Colorado knows where that train track is, if that's even a real train track, and it's not just a car driving by saying they're on a train and whatever. If it's a, surely somebody went back in and scoured that area. Well, he's like Kane from Kung Fu. He's destined to walk the earth or something, you know. But uh, <laughs> no, it's a, you know, I don't know. I, I remember growing up, we were terrified of Bigfoot and and going in the, the Washington area by Mount St. Helens and you're in Bigfoot territory. I can see how he can hide out and people aren't going to go walk, look for him because. But all the like pictures of Bigfoot are just like a different species of ape. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but, but like, what's the difference between Bigfoot and ape? There's not a lot of apes up in the Pacific Northwest, yeah. though, Ari. No, but I'm saying if we if we discovered Bigfoot and it was actually real. Mm hmm. And it was just a bigger walking ape. Wouldn't it just be an animal? Like I don't understand what's scary about it. It's well, just we an animal. Call it, we still got to call it Bigfoot, though. We can still call, but the Bigfoot would just be an animal that we found. Yeah, maybe. I don't we know. need to I go don't find, know. go to that field, and see if he was wearing sneakers or if it was indeed Bigfoot. As for other myths, I think you will not see a mythical creature, which is a Texas A&M win at Neyland State. Yeah, I was going to say that was a good one segue. Of the, <laughs> one, one of, 
one of these teams was sitting at home last Saturday game planning, and the other one played Alabama. Uh, but is, te- is, is Texas A&M a spot. better football team than Tennessee this year? Because I think you can make the case that they are. We've seen those two teams be up and down pretty much. The Tennessee loss to Florida was shocking to me in the way that it happened. And I think ultimately you look at this Tennessee team, look out for James Pierce, a guy, a young player for them that has really stood out and has been a really powerful pass rusher for them. I just think Tennessee, they're really tough at home. This is a really bad spot for A&M. Uh, give me, give me the, uh, the Vols here to, to cover. Scott, did you? It, I already, a, I already picked. Uh, yeah, all balls. right, it's on you. It's so on minute you, four into this, right, I was just like, well, I'm just like, honestly, you want to know what I was doing? I was looking at that picture of Bigfoot. Yeah. I zoomed in and I lost track of what we were doing. That's bad podcasting. I'm sorry. Well, but what the hell my is other that question thing? with Bigfoot is, if you're walking in the, if you're routinely walking in the middle of nowhere, why are you pooping on the side of a giant hill in view of a train? Again, if this is your, you would have seen this more than once, right? I, there. I, I'm on the. I'm on there's team a video of it, here. guys. I'm I'm team hoax here. I just think there's too many there's too many factors here that raise my eyebrows. I don't know. I'm I'm on the I'm on the fence on this one. You know, it's been. <laughs> you know, what the hell is that thing? It's it's, it's a dude in a suit, Ari, pretending is it? to poop. Yes, I remember like the Zap Rooter film, basically of the late '60s, and that kind of permeated my early life experience. So you know, I was always worried if I'd go outside of my grandparents' farm and there'd be If a- you are a person that just like dresses up as a suit and goes into an obscure area of Colorado and pretends to poop, like what are you doing <laughs> with yourself? Like what's going to do people have no, no jobs? This is, no, 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 Ari, that, that's what this is. And this is I think this is people on the so called train. I need to see proof that there's actually train tracks where this is because it feels like a car situation to me. Just saying. But I think that it's it's a coordination thing. It's a hey, because everybody saw this, and there's why real would they money just not say they were in car then? Because then there would you would have a lot more reason to get out, right, or drive up closer to it, or whatever. Yeah, I would stop for sure. I'd yes, like, you could stop. Zoom the in. The train, the train is a perfect alibi for why you didn't stop. We couldn't. We're on a train. No. <laughs> I need to see the trade tracks. Show me. I'm right, not familiar well, guys, with this area of Colorado. Show it to me. Show it we're going to have to stop here soon, too. So let's get the <laughs> superlative picks. Superlative picks. Um, superlative picks. I'm trying to pronounce that word better. Uh, yes. Scott's lock of the week is Ohio State minus 19 in Purdue. Uh, David and I's lock of the week has already been shared. Oregon, Washington under 67 and a half. Yep. Um, Dave and I also agree on the trap game, which is Ohio State at Purdue. And Careful. Scott, your trap game is? Kansas at Oklahoma State. Give me the give me the Cowboys in plus three and a half. I mean, right now with with Daniels, uh, you know, doesn't look like he's going to play. I like Oklahoma State in making strides here. They they struggled obviously early in the year, but but I like what what I'm seeing from them a little bit lately. You know, beating Kansas State last week. I think uh, I think Oklahoma State. They're like almost everybody else south of Oklahoma and Texas in this big 12 where I think there's a lot of comp- competitive teams. I think they improve. I think they beat the Jayhawks. So give me the three and a half. Scott, you lit a fire under Jason Bean. And when you light a fire under beans, get some delicious results. <laughs> like Bigfoot's results. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm still watching this video. That's terrifying. Okay. Um, All right. What's your favorite bean besides Jason? Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> Tra- trap games of the week. <laughs> Sicko's game of the week here. Um, I uh, I think Dave already said Iowa and Wisconsin uh, is his Sicko's game of the week. It is perverted football. Um, speaking of perverted. And Scott and I agree. Uh, why don't you explain to the people why Michigan State and Rutgers is this the is only Gavin answer? This is Gavin Wimsat erasure. You guys, come on now. Yeah, I, I mean, let's face it. it you know, Iowa, Wisconsin, it, it's going to be low scoring. It's going to look gross at times. But this is kind of the JV version of Iowa, Wisconsin, when you look at Michigan State and Rutgers. I mean, Rutgers mm-hmm. and Michigan State both lost by double figures to those two teams. Uh, I just, I think that this could be, one of those games where only only a mother would love it to watch it. And, <laughs> and even then. And I don't even know yeah. if fans will want to watch it by the end of the game. Dave, do you feel like you made a mistake? Did you like not see Michigan State Rutgers? Because it's like the worst version of the Iowa. I saw it, but game. Rutgers is like not. Rutgers is whatever. I'm, I'm At least okay you could convince Rutgers. yourself to watch the Wisconsin-Iowa game telling yourself that it matters in the grand scheme of a, of a conference race. Like this is two teams that are dead in the water who lost to the other two teams by a million. And it's just like, if you're not a Michigan state or a Rutgers fan and you're watching this game, there is something legitimately wrong with you (laughs) unless you gambled on it. But even then, like even then, yes, sometimes game cast is better for gamblers. Trust me. It is. (laughs) Um, Okay. All right, guys, that was a fun episode filled with uh, picks and Bessie and Bigfoot and uh, favorite types of beans and all sorts of different stuff. I appreciate you guys listening and tuning into the live version of this podcast until Saturday on the YouTube channel. Be sure you're following the actual podcast in audio form wherever you listen to podcasts. We always appreciate five-star reviews, um, comments, shares, all those things help the, the show continue to grow and it means the world to us. Hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel as well and join us every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday for our live streams. And the next time we will talk will be Saturday night after another awesome Saturday game slate. Super excited to get to that point. But first, enjoy the games. Thank you all for listening. For Scott Docterman, Dave Ubbin, I'm Ari Wasserman. That was Until Saturday. Don't listen to Ari. Bring back the turnover chain.